In this episode of the Spot On Podcast, we're building on what we've already learned about the fundamentals and treatment of early stage melanoma. And today, we're going to learn about advanced melanoma, in particular stage 3 and stage 4 melanoma, and the different kinds of gene mutations and why they're important. Later in the episode, we'll talk about different treatment options for advanced melanoma, including immunotherapy, targeted therapy, and surgery, including the adjuvant and neoadjuvant setting. First up, to help us understand more about advanced melanoma, we're lucky enough to hear from medical oncologist and leading researcher and clinician in melanoma, Professor Grant MacArthur. My name's Grant MacArthur. I'm a medical oncologist and clinician scientist that have worked in melanoma now for basically 25 years. I'm researching melanoma and treating and advising my patients with melanoma, but I also now have a role as um, Executive Director of the Victorian Comprehensive Cancer Centre, where I get to basically, in short, look at all the great advances we've had in melanoma and see if we can recapitulate that in lots of other cancers as well, which is very satisfying. As we seek to understand more about the different treatment options for advanced melanoma, it's first important for us to learn what exactly is advanced melanoma. So we use the term advanced melanoma to refer to melanoma uh, cells that have metastasized. So they've spread from beyond where they started, seeding usually multiple sites around the body. And the term advanced, really we align with a melanoma that can't be cured with surgery in the vast majority of patients. So melanoma that has spread Standard treatment now for advanced melanoma is with drug treatments, treatments that will treat melanoma metastases that have spread anywhere in the body. That's what advanced melanoma. Metastases means the spread of cancer cells from the place where they first formed to another part of the body. They're cancer cells that have broken away from the original or primary tumour and travelled through the body, through the blood or lymph system and formed a new tumour in other organs or tissues in the body. The tests that are performed to identify advanced melanoma are imaging tests. And that nowadays means one or more of CT scan, MRI scan or PET scan. PET scan is the radioactive glucose that is uh, injected and then combined uh, with a CT scan. And because melanoma lumps take up a lot of glucose, it's very sensitive at finding spread of melanoma. However, it's not very good at detecting melanoma that's spread to the brain, for example, because the brain takes up a lot of glucose, so you can't see lumps there because the brain's taking up so much glucose anyway. And that's where MRI scans are really critical. But sometimes we'll also do CT scans to, to look for melanoma lumps. CTs, MRIs, PETs, PETs, they're all acronyms for different scans and they stand for a different type of imaging that's done in a hospital or image centre. The imaging takes a detailed picture of an area of the body that are used to diagnose the cancer, develop a treatment plan, or to find out if a treatment is actually working. They're done by a specialist team who'll send a detailed report to your treating team. You typically have to wait for the results as they're not given to you instantly, and you may also have blood tests taken. So basically, we diagnose advanced melanoma through finding, you know, lumps on scans, Very important to be sure that it is melanoma and not some other cause of a lump on a scan. 
can be other cancers, occasionally inflammatory disorders that are non-cancerous can cause abnormalities on scans and so biopsies are very important as well to confirm that what you see on a scan is in fact melanoma. What is a biopsy? A biopsy is a medical test commonly undertaken by a surgeon or other specialist and it involves extraction of sample cells or tissues for examination to determine the presence, type and existence of a disease. And it can take some time to get back the results. Now we don't do a biopsy every time we do a scan, but making that initial diagnosis of advanced melanoma, you know, that's a serious situation. You want to get the diagnosis accurate. So we will, except in very unusual circumstances, do a biopsy to show that in fact it is melanoma when you find lumps on scans. With advanced melanoma, there are different stages, stage three and four. But as we touched on in the previous episode, these stages shouldn't be confused with different levels of melanoma. Uh, Certainly stage four is advanced melanoma. Stage three melanoma, not to be confused with level three melanoma because that confusion that a lot of patients have, they read their pathology report, it says level three or level four and they think they got stage three or stage four. That's not the case. Level is just in early melanoma is how far down beyond the top layer of the skin that's spread. But stage three melanoma is where the melanoma has spread, but it's spread within the region that it started. So for example, if the primary melanoma was on the leg, so if there are metastases that have spread within the leg or up into the lymph nodes at the top of the leg in the groin region, so-called inguinal region, that's stage three melanoma. Now, sometimes that's advanced, meaning that we can't cure it with surgery. But the standard treatment for stage three melanoma, except for some set of patients, is with surgical excision. So with advanced melanoma, we're talking about how much the cancer cells have grown and moved. So it's good to understand how melanoma actually spreads throughout the body. Unfortunately, cancer cells and very much melanoma cells can develop the capacity to move from where they start growing. So they don't just keep growing in the one spot. They learn how to get into the bloodstream, into what's called the lymphatic vessels, which are fluid-containing vessels that cells can travel up into lymph glands and beyond elsewhere in the body. So that's what you know. melanoma cells, when they change and develop metastases, start behaving. We understand some of the science behind that, but it's not complete science. And scientifically, to stop that process would be great, but that's a little bit like shutting the gate after the horse is bolted. And the reason for that is, is that you don't really know someone's got melanoma that metastasized or spread till you see it's already spread. So preventing it from spreading is very hard. So if Preventing the spread before it happens is hard. What's the alternative? Much more effective now are our new treatments that kill off the melanoma cells after they've spread, and that can be used for both the stage 3 disease after surgery or in the advanced disease to eradicate the lumps that have grown up after the cells have spread. And if melanoma spreads to another part of the body, like the lungs or the brain, it's still considered and classified as melanoma which is an important distinction. 
The way we classify cancers is according to their organ of origin. So melanoma, it starts uh, in the skin in all but rare instances. So melanoma, no matter where it is in the body, brain, liver, lung, if it's spread to those sites, we still call it melanoma. We don't call it lung cancer, liver cancer, brain cancer. We call it melanoma. And that's actually very important because the um, cells after they've spread, no matter which organ they're in, they retain you know, some of the properties they started with. Melanoma spreading can be quite a concerning issue. If melanoma spreads to the brain, does it indeed have a devastating effect on people? So melanoma spreading to the brain is a serious situation. It uh, certainly can be life-threatening if you don't get it under control. But what the remarkable things about our new treatments is that they work very well in the brain. So a study led from Australia by ourselves and led by Professor Georgina Long showed that the new immunotherapies, ipilimumab and nivolumab, work just as well in the brain as they do anywhere else in the body. So the brain is no longer full of fear. We can get good treatment outcomes for patients with spread to the brain. And to properly understand how melanoma spreads throughout the body, it's important first to understand about gene mutations. We have 29,000 genes in each of our cells. Each one's got one of these four-letter acronyms. So BRAF is one of 29,000, but it's what we call an oncogene. That means if it gets changed, it can actually turn a normal cell towards being a cancer cell. And this is a major discovery. Nobel Prize was, was won you know, many years ago for discovery that if genes change, they can become oncogenes. In other words, they can turn a normal cell towards being a cancer cell. And that's actually a key piece of knowledge because if you understand that, you can then turn off that specific oncogene with a drug and then you've taken away the cancer-causing element inside that cell. There have been some major breakthroughs in this space and BRAF has been one of those leading the examples of this. If you have a BRAF gene and the protein that it encodes are mutated into a melanoma cell, that can be turned off with drugs which cause the melanoma cells to regress and die. So that's been a major breakthrough and BRAF has really been one of the leading examples of this, that if you have a BRAF gene and the protein that it encodes that are mutated in, in a melanoma cell, we can turn that off with drugs and the melanoma cells uh, regress and die. But there are other forms of treatment as well. The other huge area now, and melanoma led the way here, is the development of immunotherapy, which is completely different because you're not actually turning off a problem with the cancer cell to kill it. You're actually harnessing the body's own defences. Immunotherapy drugs are given intravenously by an IV as an infusion into the veins. And the frequency can be between every two to six weeks. And it's a different drug to chemotherapy. You know, just like your immune system responds to COVID, we're all having COVID vaccines, I hope. Hope every patient's having their COVID vaccine, please, 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 because you have a high rate of mortality if you get COVID, if you've had cancer. So our immune system responds to vaccines. Well, we've worked out how to make our immune system respond to cancer like it was an infection. And so that's the other major uh, form of treatment. 
immunotherapy, also called immune checkpoint therapy, and that is drugs like nivolumab and pembrolizumab and ipilimumab, all long names, but all different means of turning on our body's own immune defenses, our immune cells called T-cells, to actually fight the melanoma. So completely different approach. So when it comes to advanced melanoma, drug treatment is commonly used to turn off the problem with a cancer cell and kill it. Yeah, so certainly BRAF, and we use two drugs together because two, the proteins that bind to each other, you can use one drug for BRAF and another drug for a target called MEK, M-E-K. They bind each other. If you use the two drugs, you turn off their effects much more effectively than if you use one drug alone. Another term you may come across is something called targeted therapy, which is different to immunotherapy. Targeted therapy is an oral tablet typically taken every day. Yeah, so target therapy is used as a term when you're trying to turn off something specifically in the cancer Mm. cell in most instances. So BRAF is an example of a target therapy where immunotherapy, they've got a target because there's a target on the T-cell called PD-1. There's a target on the T-cell called CTLA-4, but we don't refer to them as targeted therapies. Targeted therapies are the therapies that target these oncogenes and other molecules inside the cancer cell. So we've covered targeted therapy and immunotherapy. What about radiotherapy? Yeah, so targeted therapy and immunotherapy are now the mainstays for advanced melanoma. We use them after surgery for stage 3 disease in what we call the adjuvant treatment. So it sort of adds to the surgery to kill off microscopic amounts of cancer. But the radiation treatment is is one of the treatments been around for a long time, of course, for uh, cancer. Radiation therapy is prescribed and managed by a radiation oncologist, a doctor trained in using radiation therapy. You can receive treatment in a hospital or in a treatment centre, usually as an outpatient. And we do use that in melanoma occasionally, particularly if there are problematic areas in one part of the body that the melanoma is growing. Radiotherapy could be quite effective at uh, shrinking the melanoma and reducing the symptoms. But one thing we're very interested in is how radiotherapy might be combined with other treatments. So, for example, radiotherapy can actually enhance the response to immunotherapies in experimental models, and that is used uh, sometimes now in patients as well. With different choices when it comes to treatment, immunotherapy, targeted therapy, radiotherapy, how does a clinician decide which treatment is best for each specific case of advanced melanoma? So in cancer treatments nowadays, we very much want to personalise treatments to get the uh, very best outcome for each individual patient. So for example, if your melanoma has the BRAF mutation, well then you can have a BRAF inhibitor-based treatment. But if it does not, those drugs will not work. So that's an example of of personalised therapy. What we'd really love now is to be able to do that personalised therapy as well for immune treatments. But The science isn't there yet, needs a lot of research, a really key area of research. Because at the moment, our best immunotherapies will lead to uh, tumour shrinkage of substantial extent in about 50 to 60% of patients, or you flip it around the other way, 40 to 50% of people won't respond. So that's not very good. You know, that's nowhere near good enough. You know, we want ideally 100%, but let's at least shoot for something maybe more realistic like 90%, and that requires you know, some more research to understand why some patients respond, why others do not. If you can pick who is not going to respond, well, you know you need to go with a new 
treatment and work out a more effective way. So that's, you know, personalized treatment approaches that we're moving to. It's there at the moment for BRAF, but we need it there for these immune drugs as well. And we also would like a personalized approach with things like surgery and radiation as well as to who's going to get the greatest benefit there. Which brings us to the particularly interesting area of neoadjuvant therapy. And to tell us more about this is Associate Professor David Giorgi. I'm David Giorgi. I'm a surgeon here in Melbourne. I work primarily at the Peter McCallum Cancer Centre, as well as the Olivia Newton-John Cancer Centre at the Austin Hospital. I have a particular interest in treating patients with melanoma, as well as those with soft tissue sarcoma. And I'm also the research and education lead in skin and melanoma at the Victorian Comprehensive Cancer Centre. When undergoing treatment for melanoma, at what point could a patient see a surgeon? So when a patient comes to me with a primary melanoma, which is a melanoma that's only in the skin that's been picked up either by themselves or their, their local doctor or by another specialist, then the initial treatment is often to do a wide excision to get safety margin around the primary melanoma, but often we also assess the lymph nodes to see if the melanoma has spread to the lymph nodes, which is present in about, depending on the thickness of the melanoma, between 5 and 30% of patients. And so that is the earliest stage of advanced melanoma, that is those patients with microscopic disease. I also treat patients where lymph nodes have a larger burden of disease, so where the lymph nodes are more bulky, but more and more now with advances in drug treatment where patients with advanced metastatic melanoma to other sites receiving drug treatments and the drugs are working effectively, we're seeing patients where one site of disease is not responding to the drugs as well as other sites of disease and there's a role for surgery to remove those isolated sites as well. The treatment of advanced melanoma is not something handled by any one single clinician. It takes a number of different disciplines being involved at different stages of the disease. I think melanoma is the poster child for multidisciplinary care because, you know, every patient needs to be discussed in a multidisciplinary team to make sure not only that every option of treatment is discussed, but the right sequence of treatment is discussed. Often patients with advanced melanoma will not only be having surgery performed, but also drug treatment. But which comes first? The standard treatment is for patients with melanoma that's travelled to lymph glands, is to do surgery first, followed by what we call adjuvant therapy, which is in most cases 12 months of drug therapy, the role of which is to reduce the risk of the melanoma coming back. And the adjuvant therapies or the drug therapies given after surgery have been very effective in melanoma, reducing the risk of recurrence in many cases by 50%, which is a huge advance in the treatment of melanoma. More and more now, though, we're doing clinical trials to see whether or not it's a better idea to bring the drug forward where we give the patient some drug treatment prior to surgery, then we do the surgery, and then we continue the drug treatment afterwards. Now, that's yet standard of care, but we have run a number of clinical trials here uh, at Peter Mac 
as well as in the Austin hospital using drug treatment prior to surgery. And certainly there are some benefits to doing that. That's what we call neoadjuvant therapy. There are some benefits to doing that, particularly that when we do the surgery and we remove the cancer, we're able to assess whether or not the drugs were effective because the pathologists are able to look carefully at the melanoma tumor that's removed under the microscope and see whether there's any sign that the drug was effective. And when we do that and we see that the patient has had a very good response to treatment, then we're unable to provide patients the reassurance that the risk of their cancer coming back again is much lower than if we remove the tumor and we see that the drugs have not been effective. So while these are all very promising, we still are not using neoadjuvant therapy routinely, but we have num a number of uh, trials ongoing of this technique, and I expect that within the years to come, this will become standard of care for patients with stage 3 melanoma. But thanks to ongoing research and evidence, it's encouraging to see how the combination of drugs and surgery can be used most effectively when it comes to the treatment of advanced melanoma. We know that surgery alone for patients with melanoma that has spread is effective in curing patients in some circumstances, but depending on how aggressive the primary melanoma was and how extensive the lymph node involvement is, we know that patients have a risk of recurrence with surgery alone of up to 70%. And so uh, until uh, a few years ago, the discussion at that time was, well, we know that you melanoma is at high risk of recurrence, but there's not a lot that we can do about it, so we'll just keep a close eye on it, and if it comes back, we'll look at giving you treatments at that time, but there are now a lot of very effective drug treatments for melanoma, and so we've been able to bring those drug treatments to earlier stages of the disease where the conversation now is not, well, we'll keep an eye on you and see if your melanoma comes back, but we now have drugs that we can give you to reduce the risk of the cancer coming back. And those drugs involve different classes of medications depending on whether or not the melanoma has a mutation in the BRAF gene. So if a patient has a mutation in BRAF, then we have two different options of drugs to reduce the risk of recurrence. We can either use tablets that target that BRAF mutation or we can use immunotherapy. And so both of those are very effective treatments and and are used routinely after surgery, but as I said, can sometimes be used prior to surgery as well. And sometimes by giving the drug treatment prior to surgery, particularly patients with quite advanced melanoma, we can actually sometimes make our surgery easier. We can sometimes do smaller operations. Most often the benefit is around understanding whether or not the drug treatment has been effective. And for those who've undergone surgery treatment for advanced melanoma, what are the expected recovery times? So the treatment that I talked about at the beginning, which is the sentinel lymph node biopsy technique. So this is a technique that's come in to the treatment of melanoma over the last decade or so, where we're able to remove just one or two or sometimes three lymph glands at the time of the treatment of their primary melanoma to see whether or not there's microscopic disease. And what the benefit of that is, is that we pick up the disease before it's had the chance to grow and the patients can have just a small operation to remove those microscopic lymph nodes without needing to have any more surgery. Surgery can be used in both a stage 3 and stage 4 setting. Patients with only one or a few sites of stage 4 
or metastatic melanoma may be candidates for surgery to remove some or all of the disease. In other cases, surgery might be used to relieve symptoms. Until a few years ago, we completed a trial where patients where there was microscopic disease in the lymph node either then went on and had the rest of the lymph node removed, which had been standard of care until that time, or, or had ultrasound observation to see whether or not lymph nodes grew down the track. Because we know that in the majority of patients where there's microscopic disease in the lymph nodes, the other lymph nodes don't have cancer. And so what that trial showed us is that ultrasound observation of the remaining lymph nodes is safe and there's no need to go in early and remove the rest of the lymph nodes. And so that's actually saved 80% of our patients the need to have radical lymph node surgery, which comes with risks including lymphedema or swelling in the arm or leg, depending on where the lymph nodes are removed, as well as a significant risk of uh, wound infections and other complications. So actually early intervention with removal of microscopic lymph nodes can reduce the risk of patients undergoing more significant surgeries. But for those who need to have uh, more extensive operations, such as those patients where the disease is identified when it's no longer microscopic, then certainly they uh, undergo a complete lymph node removal or what we call a lymphadenectomy. And that does carry with it some potential side effects, but most of those are self-limiting. That is, that after a period of time, patients should expect to return to full function. And certainly with the risk of lymphedema or swelling in the limb, I'm very keen to involve physiotherapists and other lymphedema practitioners in the care of patients even if they have not developed lymphedema, because the key to managing lymphedema is to take active steps to prevent it. Over the last decade, the treatment landscape for melanoma has changed significantly, especially for stage 3 and stage 4. In 2010, treatment options for stage 3 and 4 melanoma were pretty limited. And today, there are several TGA-registered treatment options that are available to patients, and actually many more in clinical trials. As we close out this conversation, it gives us the opportunity to reflect on what gives us hope about treatment options for advanced melanoma. I've been fortunate to have worked through the transition into the modern era of drug treatment for patients with melanoma. And so what gives me hope is that through various research efforts, many of which have been done here in Australia, our understanding of how these drugs work has improved dramatically over the last few years and we're able to help more and more patients each year to achieve uh, excellent outcomes. So I'm actually very optimistic about the future of poor melanoma. And that's it for episode two on the Spot On podcast. We hope you've learned something from this session about advanced melanoma. Make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member if you think it would be of value. If you've not done so already, go back and listen to episode one about the basics of melanoma. Or join us for our next episode, episode three, which is all about non-melanoma skin cancers and the different treatment options that exist. Remember, all of the content that's discussed on this podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as medical advice. Please make sure you speak to a medical professional for advice relating to your own specific situation. This podcast is brought to you by the Melanoma and Skin Cancer Advocacy Network, MSCAN who are providing a new, innovative approach 
to tackle Australia's national cancer. M-Scan engages with Australia's leading clinicians, researchers and advocates with the aim of increasing the knowledge of those affected by a diagnosis. For more information about M-Scan and the advocacy work going on to help Australians get skin serious, visit mscan.org.au.